Welcome to the Blues Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Martin, here with Chris Frank. <laughs> what it do, what it do. Sorry, we were just doing some, uh, talking some wrestling stuff. I brought up Shockmaster. Always a uh, crowd favorite. Yeah, so, anyway, we're back again this week. A little, a couple days delayed due to uh, just busyness, as always. It's never easy. Life gets in the way. <laughs> no kidding. And Chris is on the, on the mend, finally. No more sling. Yeah. Yeah, the elbow's good. It's just, you know, the wrist every once in a while will uh, zap me pretty good. But for the most part, I'm, you know, I can do this. I can wave. You can wave it. Hey. I can rotate the wrist. <laughs> hey, coffee bean. Hey, coffee bean. I got the G.I. Joe Kung Fu grip. I got all of it. You're good to go. So anyway, uh, not much going on for, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the uh, the, Swiss, so the Blues this week is a little kind of a down week. Anything yeah. else? Anything else going on outside of that? Because really, I, I want to be like something positive. Because the beginning of the week was pretty awful. Well, at least the, the week ended the week. well. Well, you, your birthday was Saturday, and we had a good time. Yeah, man. We uh, the birthday was Saturday. I, it's just a number. Everyone's like, "Oh, do you feel a year older?" No, yeah, no. I, you don't count like you do from thirty to forty. Is not a big deal. When you're forty, it's like okay, big deal. Fifty, and then after that, it's like okay, sixty. Okay, yeah, sure. But uh. Yeah, so we did. Uh, went to the uh, Haunted Alton tour, which is really cool. It's my which second time doing it. It was your first. Yeah, so it was real fun. A little, little freaky for me at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, look it, it, the the Haunted Alton tours. There's a couple of people that do them, but the people that we did, um, it's basically it's a group of ghost hunters and people who do you know paranormal investigations who take you around to all the places in Alton. Um, that are confirmed haunted, and, and Alton's apparently like a, a super haunted town. It seems that way because they have a lot of good stories yeah. too. So. And they even tell you they go, "Look, you know, we don't have people planted to jump out and scare you, and you know, we don't have any tricks. So if something happens, something happens. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, it's really it's more of a history thing than anything else. And yeah, then, that's what's, which is what I enjoy. I have this like weird thing where I like watching the. Uh, History Channel and, docu- the, and the the doc uh, the docu- was a documentary channel, whatever it's yep. called. Like I, it's like my fill in time when you're kind of like bored and there's nothing oh, yeah. on TV. Like you Saturday do. afternoon, when you're just like, oh, what's on? Oh, only show on history which I cannot stand. I think it's history is the Ancient Aliens one. Yeah, I just I, I, if beginning I was kind of into it, and then after that I was like, oh, I'm out. It's very weird to me how the History Channel has kind of. De evolved into an aliens and Nazis control the universe. <laughs> Correct. Channel. That's true. I forgot about the Nazi ones, the New World Order one. Those are the first one is interesting, but like when they do like the fifth one, like that night, you're like oh, no. anything they do on the nine eleven stuff. I really, I just enjoy just like like not reliving that day, but just like man, I was there and I remember like seeing that and where oh, I, sure. it brings you back to where you were that day and just yeah, 100%. like. And I was really close to like my grandmother, and that's like after I skipped college that day, and I just drove to her house and sat there, and we just she just talked all day about uh just like uh like uh Pearl Harbor and stuff because that's you know when she was sure. alive, and she was just comparing it. It was just 
So it was like a really like interesting day for me. So that's why I always watch those, and it brings that memory back. So that was my first week living in Chicago on my own. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's there. So that's a little bit of that. So we'll bring it back around. Speaking of Chicago, that's where the Blues won. Did not where they won, but they did who they beat this week. Thank God. Thank God, because this week was not that good. One and two this week uh, did not start off well. So well, last time you uh, left off with us it was the big win against the. Arizona Coyotes. Correct. Six to one. Uh, Jaden Schwartz has his first career hat trick. The Blues are looking good. Things are turning around. And then the Blues have mysteriously getting ill. Yeah, it's everywhere. very odd. So we'll get into re- later on about that. So um, let me pull that up. There we go. So this game was pretty awful. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Sunday against the Ducks in Anaheim. So the Anaheim Ducks are. One of the best teams right now, at least as of right now, in the league. Uh, riding a, I think at the time they were riding a three-game win streak. Uh, Frederick Anderson is cementing himself as the number one goaltender in Anaheim, and the Blues witness that firsthand Indeed. as he shuts out the Blues three to nothing. Uh, the Blues did not start off well again. That's been a bad habit of the Blues this year, um, this week especially. Um, all th- three games. All three games, and five of the... Uh, Seven games. The Blues have given a goal up in the first two minutes of a game. I saw that stat this week. That's insane. And uh, that's something that needs to change, or you're gonna you can't keep fighting from behind. No, I mean, yeah, it, there's really no way, no other way to say it. You, you're going to run into teams the longer the season goes, where if you spot a team one goal, you know you get into a situation like we ran into last week against the Kings. That's all they would have needed. Because mm-hmm. Quick stood on his head. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the the breakdown is, but it's very troublesome the way this team continues to give up goals. Now the Chicago thing was was more us being undisciplined, and we'll get into that as we break down that game. But both against Vancouver and against the Ducks, it was just quick offense, and there's one in the back of the net. Yep. So not even um, minute thirty seven in Matt Belusky. Gets his fourth of the year from uh, Ricard Raquel. I hope I'm saying that right. So basically, this is almost similar to the uh, Rick Nash goal. Yes. Uh, basically, but Ellie gets the buck by the net, fires it into the corner, hits something in the partition in the glass, pops out directly in the center, quick pass. Blusky blast a shot from the high slot pass stick side on uh, Brian Elliott, and a quick one nothing lead for the Anaheim Ducks. So... A little bit later in the period, the Blues get into a little... Uh, Joko Lindstrom takes an interference penalty. And Sammy Votnin gets his first of the year from Jakob Silverberg and Ryan Getzlev at 17.53 on the power play. So at the end of one, the Blues are down 2 nothing. Yep. Not, and on top of that, just looks sloppy. Flat. Just like, look, they were, you could tell, like... And once again, not to use it as an excuse with the sickness thing, but the travel didn't help and the yep. sickness thing. You could tell, like, that's a team that was just tired as hell if you thought that was going to be a problem call up somebody you have you have I the agree. depth you should have called one or two guys up and the problem is like it the uh ir situation which later we'll get into happen later this week so maybe that was the issue but if that was the issue you maybe you should have brought at least one guy up to get some fresh legs yeah i agree it it seems like this team struggles towards the end of road trips and especially on the back end of two nights in a row playing. Uh, And the Blues just looked flat. They looked tired. They looked slow. 
and just had no energy at all yeah. in this in this first period. So it was a little rough there. So going to the second period, more of the same. It seemed like the Blues were just pretty much holding on mm-hmm. the whole time. Like It was just pretty much an onslaught, and then a couple of shots here and there for the Blues. Um, and then they started, like, it really was the third period where they got going. Yep. But unfortunately in the second... Another power play goal from Sammy Votnin, his second of the game, second of the season from Ryan Getzlev and uh, Cam Fowler. 3 nothing going into the third. Blues are unable to capitalize on a Ryan Kessler penalty against uh, Kevin Shattenkirk and nothing going overall. Some more shots. There's more pressure finally, but I think that's more of Anaheim kind of took their... Uh, I think they started uh, to sit back. Yeah, they were sitting back more. And the Blues lose 3 to nothing. First... Uh, so not first, but excuse me, second shutout technically in three games. Yep. The L.A. game and here. So once again, the Blues are struggling against the California teams. Um, to say so, the least. So do you, is this just odd coincidence just due to scheduling and, a, and sickness? I don't know, man. Or do you say, or start kind of sounding the alarms and going into a minor, well, as our buddy Bobby said, panic mode. But I don't. I don't think we're there yet. No. But I'm concerned. It's 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 in your head though. Oh, it's absolutely in your head. And you know, we said since day one, especially in this division, that you cannot fall behind too early, or you're going to be scrambling all year. Now, thankfully, some of the other teams in the Central are having the same problem. You look at Colorado. Colorado is, is even worse than us. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. Um, but I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned that this team um, seems to get up for some games and not up for others. Um, and what I'm what I'm worried about is that this team may have an attitude of um, we're the St. Louis Blues and we can just throw our sticks on the ice and win. Yeah, um, and that's extraordinarily dangerous. Yeah, so then look good there. So maybe some home cooking will be good. Uh, old friend Ryan Miller is back in St. Louis. Mm. So on Thursday, the Blues take on the Vancouver Canucks. So the Canucks have been up, uh, and, down. up and down, pretty as you can say. Uh, Ryan Miller had uh, a couple of good games, but then got blown out another game. So yeah, he started started the season, I believe, three or four and zero. Yeah, three and zero and three and one total, and then he had he like got a, smashed yeah. in Dallas. Before that, he had like a two. He was under two goals against. He had a shutout, and he was yeah. playing pretty well for him. So he got blown out the night before. So or the game before. So he got yep. pulled twenty minutes and twenty five minutes into the game. So who knows how he's going to respond here? Once again, the answer was he responded well. Yes. So unfortunately, the Blues once again, once again, fall behind. One night, one minute into the game, forty-one seconds in. Chris Higgins uh, gets the feed from Alexander Burroughs on the stick side on Brian Elliott. Jake Allen. Oh, excuse me, you are right, Jake Allen. I was looking at the wrong thing. And okay, so Chris Higgins is second of the year from Alexander Burroughs and Nick Bonino at forty-one seconds, and the Blues once again down one nothing early. Mm-hmm. So uh, spirited period. The Blues, uh, I thought, actually came back and played really well. And Ryan Miller was playing solid, so the Blues uh, had to uh, kind of, you know, rough it up a bit. You know, Bieska and Backus get into it near the end. Higgins gets another penalty. 
Uh, the Blues get a couple power play chances, but once again, Ryan Miller playing well. So finally, the Blues get another uh, penalty. The two main men uh, on the ice, which actually they had two in one period, which I've never seen before by any team. Two in one period. Even the Blues, who have a massive problem with that sometimes. Yeah. Two in one period by the uh, um, Vancouver Canucks. And actually in the third period, there's one that they completely missed. Yep. That I they showed on the Panger was yelling about, and then they showed after the whistle that you could see a guy was probably a good 10 feet away from the bench and hauled back to the bench, and the linesman was right there and didn't call it. So I was kind of surprised. So... But in the second period, Kevin Shankirk uh, gets a goal. Blocker side on Ryan Miller from Bacchus. That's Shankirk's first of the year from Bacchus and Steen. The 738 mark, we're tied 1-1, to and the Blues just were peppering Ryan Miller near the end there. So you're thinking, okay. They had 27. They had, total at the end of the, the game, they had 32 shots. Yeah. So they're peppering him, and it's you know looking good. Like I think everything's going well. Then, unfortunately, in the third period, an awesome setup by uh, Tarasenko to Laterra, and Ryan Miller makes one of the best that the was save, a beautiful the save, save of the night. While the actually hit his uh, skate, yep. I thought it was I thought it actually hit his glove, but no, it was his skate. Uh, a side by side play, and Tarasenko weaved through the center, passed to the right side where Laterra kind of behind him, but still had enough on it, yeah. and just no, that was all Ryan Miller. So you can't even say that it was. Bad anything. It was perfect uh-huh. setup, and just Ryan Miller read it just enough to yep. get his, his uh, pad skate over there. Puck gets uh, to Vancouver defenseman, passes up. Nick Bonino's uh, sprung on a breakaway and scores. That's just how it tells you how fast that turns around the Blues. Almost take a 2-1 lead, turn around, not even 15 seconds later, and they're down 2-1 to on yeah. a breakaway. Nick Bonino is second of the year from Burroughs and Higgins. You know, what I noticed... About this, about this game, and it's you know I don't think it's any coincidence that you saw Kevin Shattenkirk get the goal in this game. Was our defenseman pinched up so far in this game mm-hmm. that we gave up a ton of odd man rushes and breakaways? And there's only so many times you can do that before you're going to start paying the price. And you saw it on that play. You know, had our had our demon hung back a little bit we could have been in transition and been able to catch them instead of being able, you know, instead of being pushed up on the play, Miller makes that great save. The Vancouver Canucks turn it around off to the races, and there's nobody, nobody to stop them, yeah. and it's 2-1. Yeah, we'll talk about it after this game. I'll bring up a point and see what you think. So, unfortunately, the Blues are kind of coming back, and then, unfortunately, you take a, a late uh, penalty. Pratchett Berglund holds uh, Henrik Sedin against the boards. Um, and then Lyndon Vay with the second of the year from Henrik Sendin and Radim Verbrata. Verbrata. So that was just a beautiful pass by, uh, Sendin right to Verbrata, who was literally planted right in front of the net yep. in between both defensemen. Hammers at home against Jake Allen, who deserved better. Uh, that was at 11.57 and as a power play goal. Then at 16.59, Yannick Hansen ices it with an empty net goal, his second of the year unassisted. And Vancouver Canucks take it four to one. So you know Ryan uh, Miller was very uh, motivated for this game, oh, as sure. as Steve Ott was saying, because Steve Ott was good friends with them. Uh, said he was still very motivated for this game, so he just wanted to bring his best and show what he could have done. It's like, listen, man, we wanted you here. I still wanted him here. That was still, absolutely. But when you wanted six million dollars, but we needed somebody to put pucks in that. What well, you know? 
yeah. at the end of the day, like we we went cheap on goal and decided to bring in our big guns. Unfortunately, Stastny's hurt right now. Sure. So, but you you can't foresee that, and you can't forecast that. Correct. But I think I think that was the that was their like plan. They were, I agree. Their, their plan was to go after Stastny, back up Spezza. And you I know, think, whatever they were, but the plan was to spend money some way or another. Sure, and they, I, I think had they been able to come to a shorter term with Miller, like a one year or two year, like even a, you know, I don't think Miller would have taken a one year. But say you even get him down to two, three years, he took three years and uh, eighteen mil from Vancouver. That I, you know, I think if we had been able to do two at ten, mm-hmm. we might have pulled the trigger on Ryan Miller. Yep, that would have been okay. So technically, you. I'll just say this for hypothetically then. If that happens, so you take the five and take that away, so that means you're minus Laterra, but you get Stastny. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. So would you have taken Miller and Stastny, or you would have done Elliot, Laterra, Stastny? I'm not a Brian Elliott guy. I, I want to believe I just really, really struggle with him. Uh, I like to lock a lot better. You know, if you, in hindsight, I probably would have initially gone Miller, Stasny, and not had Laterra. Mm-hmm. But looking at it now, and you see how good Laterra and Tarasenko are together, it's hard to turn back the clock and go, well, I don't want those two together. Yeah. Because I really think that you look at the chemistry that those two have and you have the possibility of having a Hall and Oates again or a Janny Shanahan or, you know, any of those combinations where they just knew where everyone, where each other was going to be and they worked well together. So I still don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities and as crazy as this sounds, the, the Blues possibly try to make a goaltending change this year. Go to Jake Allen. Full Go time. to Jake. I mean, it's going to be Jake Allen's job eventually anyway, but I, I don't know, man. There's just something about him that I, him being Brian Elliott, that I just I don't trust. I never have, and I feel like I'm back to the way I was in the late 90s where I watched the Blues and every time the team comes in, the opposing team comes in on offense, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to score on us. They're going to score on us. And I haven't felt that way. I didn't feel that way with Miller. I didn't feel that way with Halak. Yep. So um, if I am just me just spitballing just uh, based on, like, not seeing anything, like, on face value before. Yeah. Like, I agree with your point with, like, now seeing Laterra and Tarasenko and having that depth. Yeah. And just thinking not, you don't have that Saboka and all this stuff. Like, you didn't know what was going to happen. So obviously, I would have been game planning on Saboka being there and other sure. stuff that you don't have them. So at the end of the day, I think it's worked out. I think what we have is going to be good. I do. But too. my initial thing, if I had to say, "Hey, you got this and this," used to be under the cap, I would have went like we said, two years and ten mil for Miller, and then we signed Stassi to this contract. He Absolutely, got. I probably went with that. That would have been the best of the both worlds. Yeah, but I think we still are going to work out fine. So I think we'll be okay. You know, again. I think I think if Ellie, if we everybody gets in gels. And we get to our system, we'll be fine. Well, and I think this was, and you saw Hitchcock mention this after the game, and it's a very valid point. I think part of the problem that we have right now is top to bottom on our roster, forwards and defensemen, we have players who are likely 
much more skilled and able to do much more than the system is asking them to do. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is if one person breaks that system and decides I'm going to be a hero, I'm going to do this, the system falls apart. You know, you saw last year when everybody plays their role, this team is deadly. Mm-hmm. They rack up points. The Arizona game was yeah. one point where everybody was just clicking. so that in the Calgary game. But then people are going to people argue, and I've seen that people said like those are two bottom feeders. You should be are, playing that way. Very valid points, but you know, and, and I know that the line everyone's got to buy in is wearing thin with Blues fans. I mean, I heard him say it after the Vancouver game, and I wanted to punch my TV. But I, I think the point that he's trying to make is. We know we have players that can do more than we're asking them to do. And when you're an athlete, your first instinct is, I can do this, I can win the game, I'm going to do it. But the problem is, when you step outside of your role in your system, it affects everything else that's going on. Yep. So you, if, you're being, if, if all you're being asked to do is A, B, and C, even though you could probably do D through L, just do your A, B, and C and have faith that the guy next to you is taking care of what he's supposed to mm-hmm. and then this guy's doing his part and this guy's doing his part and this guy's doing his part and everything's going to be okay. But if you start trying to go rogue, that's where things fall apart. I think that's what pushed David Perron out of town. It wasn't a lack of talent. David Perron was extraordinarily talented. David Perron was just never going to work within the confines of the system that Ken Hitchcock wanted him to. He was always going to be the guy who's like, I can skate around these four guys and score. I'm going to do it. And I think that's the message that I got after this Vancouver game is, if everybody just calms down and does what you're supposed to do, we're going to be okay. But if you don't, this is the product you're going to get, which is a four 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 to one loss to a team that you really should have beat. Yeah, or well, at least more competitive with. Yes. So I think I think a team that actually played the night before in Colorado was it Colorado? I thought it was Colorado. I th- was Colorado. it Colorado? It was Colorado. Well, it was Colorado Dallas. I can't remember. One of the two, but they did play the night before. Yeah. So let's go into Saturday's game. Like I said, me and you were out and about, so we didn't get to see the game live. We were I re- ghosts. I was re- I recorded it, and then I got home, stupidly decided to watch it at like twelve thirty at me night. Me too. So I had to pick up my daughter early in the morning, and I was exhausted all day. But I wanted to see everything that happened because me and you were in between locations. We were walking, yep. listening to it via the uh, Blues app. So um, once again, a theme this week. Yeah, Blues. Goal in the first under two minutes. This is a different situation, though. Correct. Uh, Jay Bomeister had to take the hooking penalty on Patrick Kane, who... Um, actually, I think this was the one that was in the corner. Very similar to the Rangers play. Yeah, this is the one that was in the corner where it had that weird bounce off the boards, mm-hmm. went right to Taves, the Kane, and then Bomeister had to take the penalty. Absolutely. It's a good, it's a good penalty. Which was, I considered a good penalty after I saw it. The second penalty, my boy decided to be an idiot. Uh, Bear Jackman decided to rough up uh, Andrew Shaw, which, okay, he's in the back of the net, you're on top of the guy, pushes his face into the ice once, okay. The second, third, fourth, and fifth time, problem. not when the ref is right behind you and saying, hey, 
correct. Hey, I watched it again in live. You can hear the ref saying, hey, get off him. Yeah. And then he does it two more times. The ref's like, okay, penalty. And when you're, oh, okay, maybe something like that to send a message when you're not on the when You're not, you're on not short-handed. already shorthanded. And to a team with that kind of talent, you yeah. really can't do it. So a minute and two seconds in, Patrick Sharp off a fantastic feed from Patrick Kane gets his third of the year. Uh, from as I said, Kane and Hosa on power play goal. One minute and two seconds into the game, not a good start again. After that, it seems from when I was watching it, the Blues settled down. Yep, and uh, took kind of took over the period. I think aside from the first two minutes of that game, you saw the Blues really dominate the whole game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they played fifty-eight minutes of solid, sound Blues hockey, mm-hmm. and much like what we were just talking about, you saw. Where when this team plays as a unit and plays in the system, things go right. And, you know, those two early penalties notwithstanding, they really took it to Chicago for the rest of the game. Which I I thought they uh, actually did really well. So, and Chicago being one of the top teams in the NHL right now, only having one regulation loss going into this uh, game. So, Jaden Schwartz gets his fifth of the year from T.J. Oshie, who finally gets a point on the season. Finally! And Alex Perangelo gets a, the assist at 12-15. Basically, uh, Puck was in the Hawks zone. Petrangelo had the, a pass from Oshie, and it kind of hit off his skate mm-hmm. and kind of went in the slot. Oshie, uh, excuse me, Schwartz gets it, takes a shot, pretty much fans on it, but he gets enough of it that goes between right. one one Hawks' legs, between Bacchus's legs, and between uh, anti-Rata's legs. For the goal at twelve fifteen, the Blues, excuse me, tie the game. So second period, a uh, little rough stuff happens here, you know, as it does during games. Um, from what I saw, uh, it seemed like there was nothing really like too bad. Just nothing really after the play that much, but you can tell there's some hitting. Pretty just a clean, hard hockey game. Well, you look at this Hawks team now, and they really don't have a enforcer the way they used to. And they had one, and then apparently T.J. Oshie blow blowed him somehow. Apparently, that's from what from what people say. We'll get into that one. In yeah, the we'll get into that one. But let's keep moving. But they uh, so it's going to the second period where at the eighteen oh eight mark, a controversial goal, which I've seen. You said a lot of your Chicago friends were upset. Oh yeah, I saw a lot of people upset. But at 1809, Ryan Reeves is his first from Maxime Lapierre or Lapierre. Why do I say Lapierre? Lapierre and Steve Ott. So they all get their first points. Steve Ott gets Steve. a point for That's, the Pirate. There you go. Uh, so basically, the play happened as the puck comes in on net. Reeves and Lapierre crash and take a shot. The puck seemingly is saved by uh, Ranta. We say Rata or Ranta. I say Rata. Okay. Well, we'll go. We'll just keep saying two different names. To sure. See what happens. One of them's right. So, uh, as you see on the replay, um, it's almost a face-off was almost. I think the net was knocked off. Yeah. So they decided to do the face-off, and then the Blues are kind of saying, "Hey, you guys need to look at that." And they said, "No, you know, whatever." Right before they dropped the puck, the ref is heading back over there. The horn went off and told them to come back and got on the horn in uh, Toronto. Toronto was looking at it. Good. So as you saw on the Chicago feed, which is what people were saying, they did not show that replay that we saw. Of course they didn't. That, I mean, who knows? I'm not saying anything, but the puck clearly. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no if, and, or buts. That puck was saw, on the goal. And I saw people were saying that the puck, it was somebody's stick. If somebody's stick is the size of a, you know, the puck that's vulcanized rubber, then yes, it was somebody's stick. Correct. 
but it wasn't. No, that was that was the puck, and it was clearly Just I would say inch or two inside. Yeah, about an inch, the line. about an inch past it. But you could clearly see it was right against his right pad. Yep, about to hit his right pad where you can see it, but he kicked it out fast enough that to naked eye you would not. I don't blame the ref for not seeing that because there's two guys, three guys crashing the net with the goalie right there, so it's hard to see. But Toronto overturns it. The Blues get a goal, take the lead two to one. And right when you think the end of the period's happening, the Blues are buzzing at their end. Yeah. Non-stop pressure, cycling the puck. Um, Oshie jumps off, and then to get a fresh body on for the last 10 seconds of the period, Dimitri Yaskin jumps on the net and jumps out, shoots the puck in the high slot, gets it past Antti Rata for his first of the year from Petrangelo, and Patrick Berglund finally gets an assist. That so. goal is exactly what you teach little kids when they're playing hockey is, what do you do when you get on the ice? Skate towards the net. Yep, and shoot hard. And it was a nice shot, pass on the blocker side on Rata. I keep saying two different names the whole time. That's so. fine. <laughs> so, 1954, the Blues take a 3-1 to one lead. The Blues uh, hold on after Christopher Teague gets a goal at 237, his first of the year from Sharp, off a really good feed from Sharp, actually, and Brad Richards. So, Blues... I don't think there was a, there was a couple of decent chances, I think, sure. but overall, like, they, they, they locked it down. They pretty much locked it down. Like, even the last minute, it wasn't like, people were cheering, but it was like nothing really. Yeah. Me and you were like, just, we didn't have it on because our tour guy was talking. So, I mean, you were looking at your phone and we're watching the seconds tick down oh. and it stopped at like three seconds. I mean, you were like, oh my forever. God. Forever. It stopped at three seconds forever. And I was like, what happened? Are they reviewing a goal? Yeah. What happened? And they took up most of a timeout, actually, when we saw it. Oh. And the Blues win. Three to two. Huge win. Yeah, that's big. That's big for a multitude of reasons. A, the team needed it. They needed two points. They needed two points in regulation. And secondly, uh, it's two points against the team that knocked you off of the playoffs the year before, your biggest rival. And thirdly, that's two points in your division that you get Chicago doesn't. That's big. Every aspect of that win is huge for the St. Louis Blues. Yep. So, uh, so finish on an upswing. Blues are playing actually tonight in a couple minutes. So we'll wrap up soon against the Dallas Stars. Another big game. Another yep. division game. You have to have these points. Yep. So big game here. And then they play Thursday at home. I closed the schedule on myself. I know they play Saturday at Colorado. Yeah. Or no, excuse me, against Colorado. And then they play somebody on Thursday for life of me. It escapes me. It's not an away game either. No, it is the Halloween game. And it is against... Uh, I apologize. I should have had this editing, in front of me. Editing, editing, editing. Ducks again. Ducks. That's right. They play the Ducks at home. And then they play the Avalanche at home. And then they go on the road the week following week. So they do their kind of East Coast little trip to the Rangers and Devils. Yeah, that'll be the end of our Rangers spell. Hoboken. F and Hoboken. F and Hoboken. Anyway, so we'll talk about those games in Hoboken next time. Oh. But <laughs> So let's get into our segment for the week. Bring it back. The Bringing blues, it back. The Blues Hall of Shame. Uh, the hallowed halls. Finally, Patrick Lillie will have somebody to talk to in the hall. So, 
we have uh, went through our list of players. And once again, if you guys want to give your ideas, hit us up on our Twitter at Blues Hockey NHL, who just hit 200 followers today. Yeah. So thank you. So, or hit us Facebook at Blues Hockey Podcast on Facebook and or our website, blueshockeypodcast.com, all one word. So this one is off. It's a crowd favorite. Yeah, this is a fan favorite for more, a sort of recent time period than, a, oh, sure. actually, actually really recent time period as our last inductee, Patrick Oleem. So do you want to do the honors or? Sure. Uh, every goalie needs a, uh, a D-man. And uh, it's not often you can find a D-man who personifies everything that is the Blues Hall of Shame. From not being able to hold the puck in on offense to letting defensemen skate around him and score goals at will to amazingly horrible passing and slow skating. And yes, admittedly being the return on one of the worst trades the Blues have ever done and getting rid of a fan favorite. Of course we are talking about number four in your program, Number one in your heart, former captain of the St. Louis Blues, the newest inductee into the Blues Hall of Shame, Eric Brewer. Yeah, Eric Brewer. Eric Brewer. Congrats. Your certificate's in the mail. Oh, Let's go. Along with a $20 gift card to Chevy's. Oh, dude, you should. I'm just, I'll be honest. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page. I think somebody related to Eric Brewer wrote his part, wrote this. this Eric I'll, Brewer cures cancer. Oh, dude. Sure, I'll read you this one line. And you're just going to be like, huh? So anyway, let's just, we're just going to do the Eric Brewer of St. Louis Blues sure. era. So we're not going to go his whole career. We'll go to who the Blues traded him to and where he is currently. We'll talk about that. But we're just going to go from uh, Blues era to where he is now. Okay. Just to overallness of everything. Uh, I'll take it back. We'll just do a quick little who he started with. Drafted by the Islanders, they thought he'd be a future Norris Trophy winner. That's that's what it says here. <laughs> Incorrect. That's what it says here. Uh, he was considered an integral part of the Islands' defense. Listen to his defense. Eric Brewer, Zdeno Char, Kenny Johansson, and Roberto Luongo wow. all were considered untouchable. Guess what? They weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they were all traded quickly. They were not untouchable. So he... Uh, was on the Islanders and then finally was traded on at the 2000 entry draft. The Islanders traded Brewer, Josh Green, and their second selection, second round selection, bringing it back around. Former Blue Brad Winchester, oh, second round selection to Edmonton Oilers for Roman Hammerlick. There you go, Roman Hammerlick. Yeah, that's a name. So and he was there, signed a one year deal, did some stuff. Considered actually halfway decent. Went to Team Canada for a little bit. Playing the Heritage Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. Remember, this is an Edmonton Oilers team. That was actually a team because they're decent back right. in the day. Right. This is, this is back when they were competitive. Yeah. And mind you, uh, he was considered like an up-and-coming guy at the time. So anyway. Still a Doris Trophy contender. Apparently. Uh, in August 2005, following the, lo- the lockout. Oh, I it- remember... Where I was when I knew. this happened. Me too. I was actually in my at my mom's house getting ready for college that morning, and then I'll just say I was throw, I always had a habit of back in the day when it was actually cool, yeah, throwing Sports Center on, yeah, and just watching the bottom line. Then it was it was happened like the day before, and I just was so busy, just never paid attention. And then I saw the bottom line, and 
almost didn't want to go to school all day. I was in L.A., and a friend of mine who was a huge hockey fan sent me a link to TSN, uh, which was real-time compiling all of the trades and acquisitions for the day that, you know, the, the strike was over. It was back yeah, that was day one, yeah. And I remember going, I'm so happy the Blues are going to, you know, do all these moves. It's going to be back. And watched just one by one, every one of our players got traded away. And this was the one that really was the punch in the gut. I never in a million years thought that the Blues would get rid of Chris Pronger. Because it was announced, like, the days leading to that, that McKenna's would retire because his eye wasn't yeah. healing. And then a couple days later, Chris Pronger's traded. So you're, you're Hall of Fame defensive Gone. 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 In a week. So they traded. Uh, Brewer was traded along with Jeff Wojwitka Doug, and Doug Lynch to the Blues for Chris Pronger. <sighs> Fucking Doug Lynch. That was a trilogy of crap. Yeah, no kidding. So at the time of trade, Brewer was a restricted free agent. And on the 15th of August in 2005, he accepted the Blues qualifying offer, a one-year $2 million contract. And this is a line in, in Wikipedia, not me. Brewer's first season with the Blues was a particularly bad one. Yeah. Yes, it was. After playing the first 18 games of the season, he separated his shoulder in November 16, 2005, a 2 nothing victory against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Missed 10 games, then get reactivated. Less than a month later, collided with the Thra- Atlanta Thrashers Center. I'll tell you how long ago this was. Carl Stewart and dis- dislocated his left shoulder, which ended the season. In just 32 games, he finished with 9.6 goals and 3 assists. During his limited play, they decided Blues decided to re-sign him again for another $2 million oh. deal. During his second season, another one, another line that's not mine. Brewer's second season of the Blues began as a disappointment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like the person who started. Wait till the third paragraph, and then you're going to be like, what? By the first half of the Blues 2006 season, Brewer only had six points and plus minus rating of minus 11, oh. and was often referred to as the worst player on the ice by the Blues media and fans alike. Indeed. That is in Wikipedia, so it must be true. Well, that is true. <laughs> and that was true in real life. Brewer was often involved in trade rumors as he was set to become an unrestricted free agent at completion of the season. Brewer believes his performance was a result of only having played at 32 NHL games the season before. However, after the firing of Mike Kitchen on December 11, 2006, the, the game after the Brett Hall retirement ceremony, yep, that was awful. awful. I was at that game. Uh, let's see. Brewer began to play much better under new coach Andy Murray. And... Over the next 19 games, Brewer changed his minus 11 to a plus 2 and became an integral part of the Blues' defense. His turnaround was rewarded on February 24, 2007, when rather than be traded as previously rumored, he signed a four-year, $17 million deal. And the groans could be heard from the Metro East all the way to Columbia. He continued his turnaround at the end of the season, finishing with six goals, 23 assists, and for 29 points, tying a career high. That's... Effing sad. In his third season with the Blue, he continued to do well under Andy Murray. And this is the line that I saw I was going to tell you about. Murray evolved to one of the top two-way defensemen in the NHL, with comparisons made between him and former first overall pick Chris Phillips. Incorrect. Um, I I say shenanigans. Correct in the fact that, yes, he did, in fact, skate in two directions. (laughs) Barely. But I don't know if he did it well. His play and leadership abilities were recognized on when on February recognized to be poor. On February eighth, two thousand eight, the Blues named the Blues named Brewer the nineteenth captain in history, filling the vacancy created when Blues former captain Dallas Drake had his contract bought out in the following season, two thousand six, two thousand seven NHL season. February seventeenth, two thousand eight, in a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, Brewer set a career high 
in points in a game with four assists, eclipsing his previous high of three. Obviously, okay. Needs. Yeah, Brewer finished the season with only one goal in 77 games played. Yeah, two-way defenseman with one goal. Yeah, that's too Again, he can skate in two different directions. That's that true. Is, that's called contradicting. So anyway, he added 21 assists, three shorter career high, completed the season. He had a reconstructive surgery because he hurt his shoulder at the beginning of the season, apparently. So the highlight of that season for me will be being at a game and watching um, – you know, in between plays, they always do the crowd participation games. And the guy lost whatever game it was. But Angela Sharp goes, all right, can you give me a let's go blues? She goes, one, two, three. And he just yells on the mic, let's trade Brewer. <laughs> and the crowd went crazy. That is awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's talk about the end of his tenure at the Blues. On February 18th, 2011, he was traded to Tampa Bay Lightning for the best name in, in hockey. They oh, never made it. I remember this. You can do it. I got nothing. Brock Boogaboom. That's right. That's and Tampa right. Bay's third round selection in 2011 entry draft. And 22 games that year. And they actually went to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals that year. Uh, Eastern Conference Finals, right? I thought it was Stanley Cup Finals. No, I think they lost to... Uh, oh, uh, no. Well, you're right. It was because we were so pissed. Because we're all like... If, if that, that dude yeah, if that gets dude to win the cup, cup. Oh. oh, dude, that's just. You know, and it's not that we got a lot for him, um, but I think that was a tenure in the in the Blues that just needed to come to an end. So also, just to add on that, on June 24, 2011, he signed a four-year, $15.4 million extension with mm. the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I believe the first three games, maybe even four, he was the team's healthy scratch on defense. That's correct. So that's this just, year, yeah. So he uh, and uh, the rumor was that he was not happy and went to Steve Eisman and asked for a trade. Was the rumor that happened? But that injury, they had a couple injuries, so he had put back in the lineup. And um, I have had, and I have a actually have center ice this year. You know, it's free right now. So uh, that's why the other thing I'll point out to fans real quick by having them in my mind. Anybody who has any kind of like direct TV, I believe it's on any, I think it's on yeah. all of them. Um, NHL Center Ice is free for the first month. Yeah. Or at least to the end of October. I think this weekend is so the you last got one. This, you got through this week. So you got the end of this week, which take advantage of it because it is fantastic. It's fun. It is really cool. I really I enjoy that. And I think my wife is not a very late person, so she goes to sleep very early. So I, I watch a lot of late games on the West Coast. So I see a lot of the Kings, Ducks, and some of the, Later, uh, Canada games and just yeah. some of the end of some other games. And it's cool to flip around. Just It's really and, awesome. And man. you get to see some, uh, this perspective on just how their teams view their mm. players. And, you know, I officially now I know which I knew it happened. Every team is, every announcers are homers. Oh, yeah. Which uh, it's like I knew that was probably a deal, but actually seeing it and oh, sure. now I officially know. So anyway, um, yeah, you know, so Eric Brewer, you are awful. You are. And here's the thing that I was always dumbfounded by, and this is what we will wrap up the uh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame induction with. It seemed like the Blues Brass were insistent on cramming down the fans' throats. No, he's really a good player. You guys just need to get over the fact that it's who we traded Chris Pronger for. Maybe the first year or the first two years, that's a valid argument. Blues fans were upset. 
you traded away the heart and soul of this team and a future Hall of Fame player. But we're also smart hockey players. If the dude could, or smart hockey fans, if the dude could play, we would have been all right with it. He would still be here if he, if we everybody thought he was. But confident. the fact was, I watched that guy game in, game out, year in, year out, make the same mistakes all the time. He could not hold a puck in the offensive zone to save his life. He couldn't. We lost so many power play chances and so many offensive opportunities because he was piss poor on the point. Yeah. And he was not a mobile defenseman. He would stand there and watch whoever was in the slot literally skate around him and shoot on goal. The guy just I'm sure that he's got more talent than than half the people in the league. I'm sure he does. But that guy just he's not a, I guess he's not a number 1. No. He's not a number one. And to year year in and year out, push him to the fans to be like, no, really, he's he's good, he's good. He's not good. And Kerber was the worst. Mm -hmm. And I know that Kerber has to toe the company line. But Kerber would defend him till the end of the world. And I was just like, dude, you know it. I know it. The American people know it. This guy's crap. Just say it. Say he's crap. It's going to be okay. But they wouldn't. And then they finally traded him. And I don't think it's any any coincidence that we finally got rid of Eric Brewer and we started getting back into the playoffs. Yeah, there you go. So, and also let's go to the international record. I'm just looking at it. Remember the big deal that I saw was like he's played in a whole bunch of like international tournaments and like he's like oh he's not becoming like he's, if he's on team canada mm-hmm. you know and that team had at the time the 2002 had like mario lemieux and joe Sa- i mean they were right beyond stacked and they wound up uh you know they won the gold medal that year in 2002 and then he won the gold medal there gold medal at the 2003 world championships 2004 championships 2007 all gold one when they had the world cup which is actually coming back yep and he actually won gold in that so pretty decorated Guy actually, and it's just like you know who else has look, a gold but, medal? Christian Leitner. True, but he made the shot though. Your favorite shot, dude. I'm a Leitner fan. <laughs> I'm a Leitner fan, but I also know the fact is that that dude didn't do crap in the NBA. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, like with the we'll just get a little sidebar here, but just like I think there's uh, there's always like a college player, yeah, and then professional player. There's some guys that are in college are like average, and then. I agree. Blow up, but then there's some people in college, like for example, like let's say him and also Tim Tebow. Yeah, we're like totally. We're like all over the place, and all of a sudden you get to like for NFL, and that dude uh just like. And I I think this is this might be an example on the hockey side where his style of play is suited for international tournaments, big ice and everything. Yeah, but it it doesn't translate in the NHL. At least it surely did not. For for example, like Patrick Berglund looks like a different player, you know, when he's out there. So. Internationalized, like when we looked for the Olympics, I thought he played really well. Anytime he played, like after the season tournaments, like he always led. He was like one of the top scoring guys mm-hmm. on Sweden, and it's like, where was that? Yep, <laughs> in the playoffs when we totally. needed goals. So anyway, to wrap it up here. So congratulations once again to Eric Brewer for being the second member of the Blues Hall of Shame. So once again, if you have any suggestions for a Hall of Shame, we will take those into consideration Please next do. time. 
Please send us your up. nominations in. And if you feel like if you feel like giving us a reason for your nomination, we'll gladly uh, read it and take it into consideration. Or if you disagree with our Eric Brewer one, if you're an Eric Brewer fan, there are probably people out there. I'm sure there are. I can't think of any, but I'm sure there are. If Larry Plow hits us up, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's like, hey, he was awesome. I had to trade him for him because I was screwed. So uh, <laughs> no, but uh, so hit us up at at Blues Hockey NHL. Also on Facebook, blueshockeypodcast.com. And also email us at blueshockeypodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, on our website, blueshockeypodcast.com. So next week, we'll go once again be here to go over all the games and uh, have something fun to talk about, probably. We'll actually get back to people. We'll be playing hockey again, which would be nice. Yeah. Well, and- you will be. Uh, you, that's correct. You are. I'm officially. Coaches, ben- coaches ruled me out for this. One. I am officially officially benching you. I got word from the training staff today that you were uh, you were not ready. You're not game ready. I got to do the Adam Banks test. Okay, and be a cake eater. So anyway, <laughs> looks like we're we are going to do head up and finish watching the game, or start watching the game for us at least. And that's about it. One last thing because I always forget. Go buy Bleed Blue by Brooke Royal. Ninety nine cents on iTunes, Amazon, and forgot the other one that i had written down i can't find it now anyway those two for sure yeah go buy that it's a great song those guys will be having a new album coming out early 2015 and once again we'd like to thank them so uh go buy that and that's about it and i'm ready to watch some hockey me too let's go let's go blues see you guys